in the name of Jesus, let your word come into our life and our heart. God, teach us, help us grow, help us be stronger in all that you're doing in our lives and our families. For those that are struggling, those that are hurting in any area, Father, be the, the, the life, the love, the grace that pours into each person. Even those watching online, God, I just pray you just cut right through whatever distraction is going on, whatever thing is, is in uh, their world right now, Lord, and you would just penetrate that with your love and your word. And God, we give you great uh, thanks for your grace and your love. In the name of Jesus, amen. So <clears throat> growing up, uh, one of six kids I've mentioned several times, we would uh, be out running around doing things and things like that. And so mom would have to call us to the table for dinner, <laughs> you know, because we're not in one place. In fact, we weren't even close most of the time. So I've, I've said this before, but my mother had this thing. She had this really strong alto voice. Her and her uh, two younger uh, sisters, they formed the, the triple trio, and they would sing. And one, my mom was alto, real strong alto. One was soprano, and then one was like second soprano. I didn't even know there was a second soprano, but there's like, there's a second soprano. Is there a third bass? I don't, I don't know. But anyway, people who know music understand that. So she would have this really strong alto voice. So she would stand on the porch, and she would go, it, it would just bellow out. It just, you know, waves, sound waves, next city, next country, just go everywhere. So no matter where we were, we always heard it. And everyone else heard it, too. And they would say, hey, uh, this uh, Phelps have to go home. <laughs> it's time to eat for the Phelps. And so they were all running home, and we'd get there. Uh, because, you know, we were usually hungry, and uh, we knew if you're late to the table, you, you might miss it. Uh, and so we didn't have any trouble doing that. But as, as parents, I noticed it's a little bit different, especially when the kids were young. I'd call them to the table. Okay, time to eat, guys. Let's get to the table. Everyone come to the table. And most of the time, they would just hop right up and go. But, you know, as a parent, you ever found that time where, uh, you know, they get busy? They just got, they get a little preoccupied. Maybe they're playing their game or doing their blocks or doing something. They're just distracted. Or maybe they say, I'm not hungry. And they don't come to the table. Well, if they don't come to the table, then what, are, what is everyone else doing in the family? You can either go on. We usually waited impatiently. But we waited say, get, get to the table because so we can, we can start and, and have dinner. So the table was a wonderful place. And it's, a, it's a, a picture and a metaphor that I want to talk to you about this morning. About understanding the unity that God has for us. Understand the connection that God has for us. Understand how we are related to one another. See, the, at the table, all kinds of things happen. You, you eat at the table. You teach at the table. You play at the table. We play cards at the table. You, know. you do all kinds of things. Fun to the, so you instruct at the table. The table is where all of a sudden the many get together and are, are connected. There's this most amazing passage, just two verses that we find in John 17. In John 17, Jesus is praying out loud to God. you got to get that. God the Son is praying to God the Father. So God the Father and God the Son are in this communication with one another. <laughs> they're, 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 and, and the amazing part is, because the disciples wrote it down, we know 
what was said. We heard what God the Son was saying to God the Father. The God that created the entire universe, the God of all things, the God Jesus that holds everything together, all of those are talking. Wow. Wow. What are they saying? What would God the Son say to God the Father? What is that connection there? What is, what, what is, it, it just, it's just an amazing thing that, that, that there, that you had, you can hear that. Have you ever been as a parent or maybe as a child, you, you're saying something to your spouse or something, and all of a sudden you notice it's quiet? That's not ever a good sign. So if you have kids, noise is good. Noise is healthy. Noise is normal. You know, little, little noise. Sometimes the noise goes too much, but noise is good. We like noise because then we know they're busy. But when you're talking, all of a sudden it's dead quiet, not good. And you turn around, and all of a sudden you're in this adult, and it's not bad or anything, but this adult conversation, and all of a sudden the kids look up, and their eyes are really big, and their ears are open, and they're hearing every single word we're saying. <laughs> and you go, I didn't know you were listening. Or maybe as a kid you did that. Well, I, I want us to picture that. I want us to just imagine coming up to the throne, the very throne of God, and maybe hiding behind the throne, and you hear the, the Son talking to the Father. The Son, what, what are they saying? What is it that's, that's going on? Because when, when the kid hears what's going on with the parents, it's like adult stuff, uh, you know, grown-up stuff, you know. They may not understand it or they like that, and they're trying to figure it all together, and some make sense and some doesn't, but it's grown-up stuff. Well, this morning, I want us to listen to some grown-up God stuff. This is grown-up God stuff. This is, this is, this is we're, we're the children. We're going, what, what does that mean? What, what is going on? What is being said here? How does this affect me? This is grown-up God stuff, okay? So you can't just sit back and just passionately listen. You have to open your ears really big, look up and say, what is it? What is it that God the Son is saying to God the Father? This is how John 17.22 begins. He says, the Son to the Father, Father, I've given them the glory that you gave me. Let me just stop there. We'll, we'll, we'll go on, but I, it's just so good. I mean, that one phrase there should just blow your mind. Wait, wait did you hear what Jesus said? Jesus said, all the glory that the Father has given him as the Son, as he has now given to the disciples, given to you. You have the glory of God. We don't even know what that means. We're like, wow. What do and so if you're listening behind the phone, says, what does that mean? I don't know. You're trying to figure out, because this is grown-up God stuff. What does it mean? It, it, literally, it, it means, uh, the, in the Greek, this word means to, to carry the, the image, to, to have the perspective. I've given them my views. I've given them my perspective. So when we say you have the glory of God that God has given you, He is giving you His way of thinking, His way of living, His presence. That's what God has given us. That's what we have. And so we get to this, and just like kids, we go, why? Why would God do that? <laughs> you ever talk to a child and all they say is why? And every answer you give is another why, 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 why. That's who we are sometimes. We say, God, why, why, why did you give me all this glory? Well, let's go on. 
because it answers that. It says, I've given them uh, all this, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, and talking to the Father, you in me. Head explode. This is serious, grown-up God stuff that we need to get our head around. Because we say, God, why would you give me your glory? Why would you give me your perspective? Why would you give me your view? Why would you give me all this? So that you and I can be one. But the one was qualified. This is the crazy stuff. This is the stuff that we can't even wrap our head around. He says, I've given you my glory, my glory, my glory, my glory, all that, so that you can be one. Just like the Father and I are one. Oh, my goodness. You see, I think, I believe, it's my personal opinion, the most complicated uh, theological understanding that we just, we tried, we think we know it, but we don't understand it, is the Trinity. Because the Trinity is God. There is no Trinity anywhere in the realm of existence. The Trinity is God. We try to relate it to who we are, I'm mind and body, I'm soul, I'm one. No, 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 no. You're just one. But the Trinity, explaining the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the reason it's impossible to understand, the reason it's impossible to even put it into a picture, no picture, no metaphor can describe the Trinity. We say, oh, it's like a four-day clover. Yes, but no. Because those are separate leads. No, that doesn't work. <laughs> so it, the more you get into this, more that, that's not quite. You know why we can't? Because it's God. You can't understand God. You can't understand how he can be completely one, <laughs> which is the Old Testament says over and over. One, 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 one. Got it? We're one. We're one. And then he goes on, and Jesus comes and he says, oh, by the way, we, we've been hinting at it, but you didn't know, because the Spirit was moving across the earth, and the sun was moving, uh, and so uh, we're actually three. Oh, 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 wait a minute. That, see, that's one of the reasons the Jews had such a hard time. We beat up on them. All they knew was one, 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 one. No, 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 Trinity. <laughs> how, how does that work? They're just trying to grab. Now, I'm explaining all that because that's the unity that we have. Just like you and God and the Son and the Spirit are one, and yet not, so are we one. The Trinity is one of three. We are one of many. We are one. Do we understand that unity that we have? Do we understand the connection? Just like God is one, we have to function as one. If we're not functioning as one, if we're not moving as uh, a unity, if we're not having this connection then we're missing the whole point because God gave his glory to you so that you would understand so you can be one with one another. You, The glory that's in you from Christ is the glory that's in me. That makes us one. Let's go on. Because then the question is, why? Why, 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 does God, why is that unity so important? Why is this oneness? Why do we got to be like, why, 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 why? Growing up God stuff, come on. We're going to keep going deeper. Because then it says, so that you may be brought to complete unity. We cannot have this unity without understanding the oneness that God has. Complete, total unity. <laughs> Not partial unity. 
It's like God didn't say, I'm going to give you a little bit of my glory because you can't handle it. You're probably going to screw it up anyway. <laughs> That's what some people think. I just, got, I just need God. Just give me a little bit of glory and then because I'll, 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 I'll probably mess it up. No, no. God gave you all of his glory. You got it all. So that you can understand the complete unity that we have for one another. And I, the, it's amazing how far short we, fought, we come from understanding the unison, the unity, the connection, the relationship that we have to one another. According to what Jesus is saying, Jesus is praying, Father, says, I got this, because <laughs> I gave him the glory. Why did he give him the glory? So that they, so they could be one. Why, why, why? It's so important that we're one. So they can have complete unity. We can have complete unity in, in Christ. Uh, let's see. Then the word changes because we're not children. It's grown-up God stuff, so we start to think, wait a minute, wait a minute. How? How can I do that? How can I? Maybe you're thinking that. Man, that unity seems great. How do we do that? How, do, as a church, are we united? How, how as a people of God, are we united? How, as, as a family, am I united? Where's that, where's that uni, unity and what God wants to do? How, how, how can I do that? And that's what... He goes on to say, because then he says, then the world will know that you sent me. Okay, this just stops you in your track. Because we ask how. How, how can this be? And he, and he said, I'm going to do this so that the world will know that you sent me. That the world will know that you sent me. Did you catch that? I know it's grown up. God stuff, but listen to it. Our unity, our connection, our relationship with one another is how the world knows that Jesus is from God. So when we are not in unity, when we are not connected, when we are not as one, maybe they don't. When I got to this part and I'm studying, I just, it just got personal. Because I just felt like the Holy Spirit was asking, okay, how many in your world know that Jesus is from God? How many in your world knows that Jesus is from God? You say, well, some do, some don't. Well, they are to know by your love for other people, by your connection, by, 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 by what's going on. And then we get there, God, how can, how can that happen? And it goes on and says, how can... I live in this unison so that the world can know that you are from God. And he goes on and, and he says, uh, and have loved them as you have loved me. God loves us. That's how the world knows that Jesus is from God, that he loves them. And not only that God loves us. And see, that's our problem so often. The world doesn't know, and we're not in unison because we don't really believe God loves us completely. Not that much, not that thing. If we understand the love that God has for us, that, that He loves us like He loves the Son, as you have loved me, God loves you as He loved Jesus. What do we do with that? I'm talking about grown-up stuff. God loves you as much as he loved Jesus. That's what Jesus said, that they could see that you love them as much as you love me. 
That changes everything. And, and not only that, because we might wonder, how would the world know God loves them? It's because we know God loves us and we know God loves them. As much. See, it's much harder to be in disunity with people. It's much harder to say, well, you do your thing, I'll do my thing. I don't like the way you think. I don't like the way you look. I don't like the way you smell. Come on, come on. You know, we, like, we always have this thing, like, like, likes. <laughs> we like our likes. <laughs> but when all of a sudden you begin to understand, God loves that person as much, as much as he loves Jesus, it's hard to push them away. It's hard to do that. You see, our unity, our unity connects us to one another and reveals the love of Christ. So instead of the division and the backbiting and the pushing away and the disunity, all of a sudden, if we're in unity, if we're connected, if we're loving one another, forgiving one another, for caring for one another, people see, hey, Jesus is from God. He loves me. He loves me. He says, they'll know us by our love, by our love for one another. Not that we love them. We do love them. Understand? But, the, but it goes about, they'll, they'll know that we are Christians by our love for one another. I love you. I'll work for you. I'll be in unity with you. I've been doing this series. We've been talking about Jesus changes everything. And at first I thought, I don't want to do this. It sounds a little trite. I need something more spiffy. But all of a sudden, yeah, I know. Then, then I, I think, no, 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 this is the point. Jesus does change everything. We believe that, but we don't understand how he changes everything. And so what these lessons have been in the last several weeks have been how he changes everything. And it started out a couple of weeks ago with service. When you act, when you serve others, that changes everything. When you don't put yourself in front of someone else, and we talk about Stephen, how Stephen changed everything. He changed the word martyr in the Greek. In this Jew, little Jewish place, the whole word martyr completely changed. You're thinking, how? Go back and watch the video. <laughs> a little plug. Anyway, service changes everything. And then last week, Lisa and I talked about uh, a godly mother changes everything, and I believe that with all my heart. If you want your family changed, then a godly mother changes everything. Because it's the same thing. You start to see a theme here. Because just like you have to give yourself away to service others, that's what a mother does. In her prayer closet, in her, in her compassion, in her needs to, to take care of the children. That's what she does. So this morning I want to talk about how unity changes it will change everything in your life. It will change everything. Unity, because it's in Christ. So Jesus is above all of those. Jesus changes everything because unity, our love for one another, our connection, our willingness to get up to that same table, to be at that same table, changes everything. And whether we're willing to do this. And we, we look at this and we say, how can I live in this unity? How can I have that in, in, in my life? <laughs> Uh, how can I live in a way that the world knows that Jesus is from God? How can I do that? You see, it, when it comes to unity, the unity's purpose isn't to feel good. It didn't go, oh, we're one. Kumbaya, Lord. Kumbaya. 
Aren't we good? Aren't we one? Yeah, yes. <laughs> That's what, you know, sometimes we think, ah, I just got to be one, got to be us. Because what that does is it closes ranks and gets it to be all about us, which is the opposite of unity. You following that? <laughs> the very opposite of unity is that we are unified, we are one, we love each other, so the world who's out there sees that and says, oh, wow, I want some of that. I want to be like that. How is, how is that uh, possible? The more we're in unity, the more that we love one another and care for one another, the more we show the love of God for them. In the ascension, you know, that's where Jesus, after being on the earth for 40 days, he rose from the dead, right? And then he came back and hung around for 40 days. You know that? He hung around. Why? I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm real. I'm here. I'm that. He had dinner with them. He played games. He, I don't know. He did everything. He hung out with them. You know, they got up in the morning and he was making breakfast, whatever. He was with them for 40 days to show them, to teach them, to reveal to them, I am alive. This isn't just my spirit hanging around. This isn't just a, something that has happened on a day. This is an ongoing, continual thing. I am alive. I'm right here in his glorified state for 40 days. And then he rose from the dead. I mean, then he rose and ascended to heaven. And, said, and when he did, he said, the angel said, well, he'll come back the same way. So that's the ascension story. But I always pictured it, and I think the picture is important for us. I always pictured it wrong. I'm convinced. I always saw it wrong. Because it says that he went to the Mount of Olives and, and, he, and he ascended. And so I just saw about you know, 20, 30, 40, whatever, disciples hanging around going, you know, when is this thing going to launch? <laughs> when they're like delays, delays, clouds. And I don't know. You know and then all of a sudden, gee, there goes Jesus. Goes. He gives them the, the great commandment. It's great commandments directly tied to the ascension. That's important. He says, do this, do this, and like it. And, and then, poof, he was gone. But then I began to read a little bit and read that Mount of Olives is a part of, it's just a bump. It's not much of a hill. <laughs> but there are towns on it, and one of those towns is Bethany. Look what it says in Luke 24, verses 50 and 51. He says, when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them and was taken into heaven. He ascended from some, the Bethany. Okay, now this is a couple things we know. There's two homes that Jesus visited over and over and over and over and over in Bethany. Simon the leopard and Lazarus, his favorite home. Because Martha, she could cook. <laughs> I think it's interesting that Jesus always went to the house where they had the best cook. But that's beside the point. So Jesus went and I think was hanging out in the home of Lazarus. The reason this has always been hard for us because we think American homes. We have, what do we know? What do we say? You have a roof over your head. As long as I have a roof over my head, I'm good. But that's not the way the early uh, uh, first century people lived. They had a roof. They had a place where they slept. But then they have walls all the way around, and they had a courtyard. And most of the dinners, most of the fellowship, most of the food was always eaten outside. Always. Or you can go up on top of the roof. <laughs> They had tables up there, too. They loved eating outside. I think they were all from Tampa. I don't know. We love eating outside. I don't know why most restaurants, here's my little plea, please, should have outdoor, even in the summer. I'll take the humidity. Just give me outdoors. I love to be outdoors. So I think they were, they, they were outdoors, and they're, they're, they're hanging, hanging around, and, and, which means what? Look at Acts 1-4. You're going to love this. In Acts 1-4, it says that while he was eating, same thing. This is, this is the ascension. While he was eating, 
with them. They were having dinner. He gave him this command. The Great Commission. <laughs> he gave him the command. He's sitting at the table. And he gave him this command. First of all, was stay here. Go to Jerusalem. Don't, don't leave there till you get power. That was a command. And then make disciples. That was the command. I want you to make disciples. I want you to go there. They were all around the... Two, when, when Jesus gave his final commands, when Jesus gave this great commission, when Jesus gave everything, he was sitting at a table. Because the table is a beautiful picture of everyone being separate, being individual, and yet being one, being at the table together. And that unity is what's going to hold them. That unity is what's going to reveal God's love. That unity is what's going to change everything. And, every, and we see that in Acts. It changed everything. They were commanded to receive the power, to make disciples, to hang out at the table to find that unity. How do we live that unity? How do I do that, Greg? I'm going to get real practical with you. Because I believe it really is understanding, because unity is like, <laughs> unity. <laughs> you know, people vibe and they get unified. I don't know. <laughs> it can be really weird. But, you, but in, the, in the Christian faith, unity is really simple. I like you, you like me, we hang out. We know what that's called? Unity. <laughs> we have koinonia groups, fellowships groups. It's all the same thing. It's all around the table, hanging out around the table. Get con connected. So here's the point. Here it is. Find a table. Find a table, metaphorically speaking. Find some place where you're hanging around, where you're connected, where you're one individually, but yeah, still together. Find a table. You say, Greg, how do I do that? Okay, let's go that. Find a table of unity means you've got to have a bigger understanding of unity. You've got to be living a bigger understanding of unity. You have to understand it's not just about you. In other words, <laughs> you see, immediately when Jesus is saying all this right before he gave him the Great Commission and everything, when immediately he's going on this and the disciples go, uh, and they start asking questions. So is this a time to restore the kingdom to Israel? It was stolen from us. The kingdom was taken away by those pesky old Romans and this and people. And, and, and I think Jesus probably banged his head on the table because I'm teaching about a table. Going, oh, come on, guys. He just ignores the question. He says, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you thinking so small? Is it about restoring the kingdom of Israel? Yes, but it's bigger, so much greater than that. It's not just about you. The table that I'm talking about, the unity I'm talking about, is going to go literally around the world. It's going to change everything. <laughs> You're going to get that in your spirit. The unity table means living bigger. You see... At the table, it's not just what you want. If I'm at the table and we're, we're all sitting at the table here, we're talking, we're interacting, maybe I'm even leading, maybe I'm teaching, but there's interaction. It's, it's, it's not just about me. It's about everyone at the table. It's about the unity. And it's about each individual at the table. We're all at one. It, it's everything that God's trying to do, everything that God's trying to put together. Working for the same working for the same purpose, doing, doing this or teaching, whatever it is, we're together at that table. See, in Acts chapter 2, later on, Peter figured it out. Ten days later, ten days, he wrote, he ascended, and ten days later, the Holy Spirit fell. But what does it say? 
What does chapter 2 start with? They were all together in one accord. Oh, man. All of a sudden, they figured out, wait a minute, wait a minute. We need to be, this is the unison. If we want to see God's spirit poured out, mm, if we want to see lives changed, if we want to see this world turned upside down, we need to understand, we need to get together. They were all together in one accord, and then Peter gets up and says the very opposite of what they asked earlier. Peter gets up a little bit later and gets up and says, hey, hey guys, it's, about, it's not just about uh, Israel. He, he says, the Holy Spirit's going to be poured out on all flesh, everybody, sons and daughters, prophesying, everything's going to be on. It's so much bigger than that. Anyone, everyone that calls out on the name of the Lord can be saved. Wow, that's completely opposite 10 days before. And it was because the Spirit's revelation of what happened. You see... Finding a table of unity means building deeper fellowship. Come on, this is grown up God stuff. But if we're going to change the world, if we're going to change our families, if we're going to change our neighborhoods, if we're going to see that, then we need to understand this. Joshua was fighting the Amalekites. <laughs> Moses went up on top of the hill. <laughs> and, and, and it doesn't say anywhere that God told him to do this. He just probably had the rod and lifted up that rod. Come on, Joshua, you can do it. Come on. And Joshua started to win. And Aaron and her. I once heard a message about the unnamed woman next to Moses. That's not the her. H-U-R, but that's beside the point. <laughs> Sorry, I got lost. But <laughs> there's crazy stuff out there. So Aaron and her were there, and Moses is leaning up again. And then, he, and then he goes, oh, that's great, Moses. I mean, that's great, Joshua. Good job, Joshua. Good job, good job. And Aaron's going, Ugh. Wait, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> We're losing. This battle's going against us. And Moses said, no, no, come on, Joshua. I, I don't know how many times did it, did it figure out. Did it take him to figure out, wait a minute, win, lose. Good with God, not good with God. Win, lose. With me, not with me. Whatever. <laughs> you get the point. God is with me, God is not with me. So they figured that out. <laughs> but listen to me. Deeper fellowship. You ready for this? It's grown-up God stuff. Deeper fellowship always creates challenge. Deeper fellowship always creates challenge. Exodus chapter 17, verse 12, it says, When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and they put it under him and he sat on it. Really? This is not the time to call me. They, they sat on it, and Aaron and that other woman, her, held his hands up on one side and on the other so that his hands remained steady until sunset. Now, we've got we to get this picture. Moses was a man. He was the leader, anointed by God, and when he held up the rod, miracles happened. But he got tired. And what I'm tired of is us beating up our leaders so much. I should have done that. I can't believe he does that like that. Okay, we need to do better. But we all get weak. And instead of Mo Aaron going, oh, just give me that rod. What kind of weak leader are you? Come on. And held it. I'll hold it. Now, Aaron didn't do that. He held up Moses' hand. Because Moses was weak. And hers beside him probably one of the strongest mighty men they protect Moses. Beside holding up the hands of Moses. 
Do we hold up the hands of the weakest or cast them aside because of their weakness? Do we say, no, 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 you are part of us. You are the one. You are our body. You are, or do we cast them aside, kick them to the curb because they're too weak? See, victory was achieved by helling the weak. By helping the weakness. <laughs> you can tweet that. Man, that, that's like a good one. Weakness, victory was achieved when they helped the weakness. When they stood beside someone who was broken, someone who was weak, and held the hand. And you think, Greg, how can we have that unity? Find the weakest. Find the most broken, the most undeserving. Find that one <laughs> and hold up the hand. That's the unity we have. And one, one last thought. See, weakness can divide us. Weakness can separate us. But finding a table of unity means <laughs> achieving greater oneness. How do we do that? I'm going to give you one more picture. Cain and Abel were sons of Adam and Eve. I think Eve, Eve had a lot of kids, bless her heart. She lived almost, what, 900 years old? How many kids could she have? <laughs> so there was a lot of children. <laughs> so somewhere in there, probably uh, the first, but we don't know, Cain was born and Abel was born. And we get this most amazing picture from there. You know Malachi says at the altar... God says, the altar is my table. Here we go again. Here's a picture of the table. So they had two altars, or they had one altar, I don't know which, and, and, and Cain would come and offer the bread. Because that's what he did. And Abel would come and offer the lamb. Because that's what he did. And together, they offered the bread and the lamb. And Jesus is the bread of life. And he is the Lamb of God. So we have this amazing picture of oneness, of connection, of unity, of unison together here, together. And then it was broken. You see, an orchestra strength is, is, is not just the unity, or it is brought about, or the unity that it has isn't, doesn't come from unison. Not everyone's playing exactly the same. That would sound awful. It's like they're playing this, and they're playing this, and they're playing this, and all together. And Cain brought the grain, and Abel brought the meat. And God rejected Cain's, not because it was grain, but because it was less. Oh, you've got to stay with me on this. It was just less. If you look carefully at the Hebrew, it... it, it it says there, it says God didn't have regard for it. He looked away. It was almost like, oh, yeah? Well, because that was the attitude that Cain brought it. Here, here's a little something. Here's the leftovers. Here's a, here's a little token. Take this, God. God goes, I have no regard for that. Watch this. It was just apathy. And apathy easily turns to anger. And anger turns to jealousy. 
And jealousy always brings brokenness. Because Cain killed Abel. Because he was just apathetic. And when it comes to our unity, our unison, our connection, and what God is trying to do, so often when we go to God and offer Him the leftovers, I told Jared, I'm, I'm in a pastor preaching mood, so just bear with me, because I love you guys. But so often, I don't care, we just offer Him the leftovers. I'm just too tired, I don't want to do that. Or I'll you throw this in the offering, or I'll give this a little bit, or I'll give them a pat on the back on the way out, when I really should stop and talk to them. And we don't give them our fullness. That apathy leads to brokenness. And that's exactly what happened. So the question is, what are you bringing to the table? You say, well, Greg, I just, I just got a little bit of grain. God wants the, the, the meat. No, no, God wants what you have because you're part of this body. God wants what you have. And when you give it fully, completely, wholly, surrender to God with all you have, not in a small, apathetic way, it binds us. It creates a unity that cannot be broken. <laughs> what are you bringing to the table? The question is, come to the table. Come on. Come to the table. It's time to come to the table. It's time to come and pull, get, pull up a chair. And say, God, what are you doing in my life? How can I be connected in a greater way to those sitting around the table with me? And you watch. God will change everything. He will change your family. He will change your neighborhood. He will change your world. He will touch and change and think, that's not, how is that even connected to that? Because when we are in unison and we are in unity, then all of a sudden they see how much God loves them. And we see how much God loves someone else. You received the word this morning. Come on, give God thanks. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you because I believe God wants to do something in your hearts, in your life. I believe that this has just been burning on my heart all week long. Come on, Lord. Move in our lives. Move in our hearts. Stir us. Challenge us. Change us. God, don't let us be the same, God. Let us step up to that altar, not in an apathetic way, not giving a little bit of our offering or a, a small section of ourselves or I'll give them this much or I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll volunteer this much or I'll be connected this much. But God, we surrender all so that we can be in a in a unity that changes the world around us. God, I pray for every single person that you would move in their life. And if, if, if you're struggling with other things, you say, Greg, that's a great message on unity, but I'm hurting here, I'm hurting there. Don't you see? Can't you know that that is the source? That's where it's connected. If we become one, if we become united, if we become moving together, it changes everything. It changes our world, our life, our attitude, our families. If you're struggling, if you're hurting, if you're thinking, God, this area needs to change in my life, and step up to the table. Give God everything. Surrender everything. And watch and see what God does. And God, I pray for that. God, I pray for that with all of my heart. God, I pray that if there's anyone watching, if there anyone is tuned in 
And for anyone in this room that doesn't know you, God, help them, invite them. Let them see how much you love them. Let them come up to the table. It's time to get up to the table. Get around the table. Hold hands with someone around you, with someone on your right, with someone on your left, and say, I'm weak, I'm struggling, help me. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would build us and make us one so that the love of Christ can penetrate and break every wall and every barrier and every doubt and every fear and every worry and every uh, obstacle that seems to surround this body, these people. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray you'd break through, create this incredible love for one another to break us through that we sit at your table. And Father, I pray that we take your bread, your body, your cup, your blood, around this table together and say, God, forgive us anew. Cleanse me. Forgive me, God, that I push the weak away. Help me to see they are the very key to the victory that I need in my life. God, I pray for that. In the name of Jesus. Amen. God's good, isn't he? So, so good.